Welcome to the Triage Method podcast with me, Gary, Jerome, McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Patty, how are you this week? As per usual, I am absolutely fantastic, Gary. How's life with you? Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Right now, so first first order of business. So I think this podcast is going to be coming out on Thursday. So yes, people should have seen on Sunday, Monday, whenever you actually put it up, uh, that you are getting off social media. You are off Instagram. I've been off Instagram for a fucking couple months now. Um, but you have taken the leap of getting off Instagram, right? Last week, again, this is going to be Thursday. So last week you deleted it and people went a little bit crazy. And so you're putting up a post and you will probably have put up a post by now so that people know what's going on. Um, but let's talk to the good listeners through things. Gary, what's the story? I had a midlife, a quarter life crisis. It's just not a thing. <laughs> no, I deleted my Instagram because I'm trying to do this whole thing where you actually like try and train to be a doctor while also trying to run your own business, which funnily enough, to my surprise, actually requires quite a bit of time. So, um, so yeah, I'd rather just use my time a bit more effectively and be present in the things that I'm trying to do and not waste my time on Instagram. Because even, even when you're not, you're not, you're not intending to you to use a lot of spend a lot of time on Instagram even it can really really add up like for me if I if I go on like not being like oh look I'm so famous like if I was to like log on in the morning like you could have like 10 to 15 direct messages and like generally my intent is to want to help those people who are asking questions so even if you're just like oh yeah we've actually written this article boom or here's a quick answer to your question or whatever before before you know it, like you spend 30, 45 minutes on, on Instagram, getting very little in return yourself when I could have spent that time studying one to two lectures or doing a client check-in or two or whatever it might be. So like for me, in terms of trying to manage my time, it doesn't make much sense to spend it on Instagram. So that was that, was that really. You're dead right. And I always think of it like... Instagram is basically making money off your time and you don't get to see a cent of that. Like people give out about, you know, big corporations and, you know, business demand and whatever else, like making money off the workers back. And it's like you, if you're on Instagram, you're willingly giving someone your time and they're making money off that. It's like, do you not see the the dichotomy here? You know, Um, but related to that, Gary, how can people now, follow your journey you know how can people get in touch with you how can people follow you because obviously if they're listening to the podcast which you know everyone should be um like how can they interact like how if someone has questions for you how can they get in touch with either you or how can they interact with you know the triage services yeah like i mean that was one of the things about about my personal instagram is that it's always blurred the lines between like triage and me so like people could just answer or engage with triage and like message us there or they could read our articles or whatever but it always a lot of the time if, if they were looking for me personally it would, it would come through me so like now it makes more sense to just be like oh look this is actually business stuff like if you're talking about 
health and fitness, etc. Message triage. Like that's what we're there for. That's why there's two of us. So like that, that would be the first thing would be to like follow triage on social media. That makes a lot of sense. Um, to you know, if you if you have a question, we have an open Facebook group that people can join, and we can actually have proper discussion there. Because for me, like having conversations on Instagram is actually quite difficult because the way I would have engaged with Instagram would typically be, right? Like I never, I, I haven't kept it on my phone for like a couple of years. So I would always delete the app. So if I went on and someone messaged me, I'd message back and then I delete the app and I might be back again in, I don't know, 12 hours or something. And then all oh, you have these messages again and you can engage in conversation that way. Whereas if someone messages into the Facebook group and they send in a question, then we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to have an opinion. You're going to have an opinion. Breed might have an opinion. You know, other people in the group, competent coaches are going to have their input. And then you can actually have a valuable discussion. And that's, that's what I and we value as opposed to just kind of the, the soundbite nature of, of apps, apps and platforms like Instagram. So engage with the Facebook group. Triage Method Community is the name of the Facebook group. I know some people aren't on Facebook. I probably wouldn't be if we didn't have like a business need to be there. Um, but even if you just like some people in the group actually have just profiles that they've set up exclusively for the group. Um, some of our clients have done that. Um, or obviously you could just check out our YouTube channel. Like that's probably the best way to actually, if you're in, if you're interested in just following us for the sake of kind of seeing what we're up to and stuff like YouTube is definitely the best way of doing that. Um, because it gives, it gives me and Patty the, the opportunity to put out more long form content about, you know, what it's like to be a student trying to balance these things, you know, people like that stuff and, and how you're going to fit in your training, et cetera, et cetera. So YouTube triage method on YouTube is a great call. And of course the triage method, Instagram, to be honest, the, like that's probably the, like while I want you to follow the triage method, Instagram, I would be, I would encourage you way more to go to the other platforms because like we value longer form discussion and Instagram is just not set up for that really, you know? So, so they, they would be my, my tips. Yeah, Instagram's a bit like clickbaity, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, right. So <clears throat> now that that's out of the way, uh, we actually have, the way. We have something to discuss in this Q and a episode. So this is a question that we got in a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, but I thought it was a good concept that we could just discuss on the, the podcast in uh, again, the Q and a format. And the, basically the gist of the question is how can I help you know, family men, members, or even friends um, that you've known for you know a long time since childhood, whatever, engage in healthier habits. You know, because this is something that, especially if you're a personal trainer, especially if you are uh, a fitness professional, but also if you are you know the the fit guy or fit girl in your group, you know, you you generally want to help the other people around you engage in healthier habits, but oftentimes that can because you have, you know, the, the friendship, the familial connection or whatever, it can actually make you the hardest individual to actually help these other individuals. So I, when I got the question in, I was like, I, I completely understand why you're asking this question because like, I've been there, you know? Um, and I, I'd like to think that in some instances anyway, that I've helped family members and friends successfully. So I somewhat know how to navigate this whole thing and same with yourself, Gary. So what's the story with this? How, how, how do we go about helping friends and family when you know, you want to help them with their health and fitness? Um, first things first, like you alluded to people think that these are going to be the easiest people to help when in fact they're actually going to be the hardest. As in, if you were to pick 
the most challenging person you could coach, it's going to be like your friend, a family member, your girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, whatever, like for multiple reasons. And I think that's counterintuitive for most people, but intuitive to people who have actual coaching experience, you know, for that reason, many, many coaches will refer their partners or family members to other coaches that they know rather than actually, you know, coaching them themselves. It's, it generally doesn't work out very well. Okay. So that would be, I guess that that's kind of the first, the first thing that I wanted to, to touch on was the fact that you might not actually know this if you don't have expertise in coaching. So this is, this is what I kind of refer to as like the non-expertise problem that people don't really identify. If you don't have previous coaching experience, it's going to be pretty challenging to coach someone who an actual coach with experience is going to identify as being a very challenging client. So essentially what you are, what you're taking on is that a type of, a type of coaching client that is, that will be more chat, would be the most challenging essentially. So intuitively that doesn't make a whole pile of sense that you would be very skilled at doing that. So I guess that would be the first thing is to acknowledge that it is going to be a challenge, especially if you don't have any coaching experience, because as a coach, what you begin to develop is, or are different skills that are relevant to behavior change as it relates to exercise, as it relates to nutrition, sleep, lifestyle habits, etc. And behavior change is the biggest challenge for any coach. And people don't often recognize that. People think that coaching is all about just knowledge. And this is how people would typically approach this problem in the real world is that they might identify as the fit person in their group. They might have got fit themselves. They might be generally into quote unquote healthy eating, etc. But they're not a coach. And that's a very, very important distinction to make. Because if you're not a coach, then you haven't worked through some of the problems with other individuals that you're going to be aware of. So you might say to your, your mother or father or friend or whatever, you might say, oh, look, this is, this is the way I eat. You know, like, like, why can't you just eat like that? Or, or like, why don't you come to the gym and, and, and work out with me? And it, it just doesn't tend to work out as well as people might think. Would, do you think that that's a fair assessment, that these are the most challenging people to actually deal with? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like the way I always look at it, I'm like, what are you going to do? Tell your mom how to eat and train and do whatever. It's like, first of all, she's the one that probably, probably again, I'm making some sexist assumptions here. She's probably the one that cooked a load of your meals for the majority yeah. of your life. So she's thinking like, I taught you how to eat, you know? And then also you have to remember, it's like, she probably has changed thousands of your nappies, you know? So she's not thinking of you as like, oh, this is, you know, uh, an authority figure she's thinking like oh that's my little boy oh i remember when you were five and also on top of that she probably knows the vast majority of the stupid things you've done in life you know so as much as she wants to go oh yeah like you're you're really smart you know you're my kid you know oh you're you're brilliant whatever she also in the back of her head kind of thinks you're a bit stupid as well you know <laughs> um so and that's the same with other individuals in your, your fa family connection, your family unit. Uh, and again, obviously your friends as well, that they know all of these things about you. So the fact you just don't have that uh, authority figure persona to them, even if you are a professional in, in, in the, the industry, you know, that, that authority figure, they, they're not seeing that they're seeing you as you, the person they know, you know? So 
that thing that automatically makes it a little bit easier for uh, professionals in the industry and stuff, you don't have that available to you. And also, like you were alluding to there, or what you were actually saying, if you aren't actually an experienced coach, you now have that extremely hard population to work with, and you don't have the soft skills that you've built up over years to potentially deal with that. And like you said, this is why people refer out. You know, they'll refer to their refer family and friends to a coach that they know and trust. You know, because it's like, okay, I can get results with you, but it's going to take me three, four, five times the effort to get the same results. And I could just send you to someone else and you'll get those results, right? So I think that's, first of all, the first thing that we should tell people who are looking to help friends and family and stuff. You know, it's like, you're probably best off just referring out. Refer out to someone that you know and trust. 100%. Like that's, that's the easiest way to solve this, you know? And again, that sounds a bit like, of a cop out basically like, Oh, well it's not my problem. Someone else deal with that, you know, but it's, it's extremely hard to do that as an individual coaching a family or, or friend, you know? And now obviously it's not the case with everyone. Like you might have family or friends that are really interested in the process and want to engage with it, etc., And it can really work, but also it kind of potentially sours the relationship you have. You know, like for example, especially when you're talking about nutrition, because that's something that people like do every single day where if you've told someone, you know, say again, your, your mother, your father, whatever, to eat a certain way and they're eating all their meals in front of you and you can clearly see they're not eating the way you told them to, that can kind of lead to this little bit of resentment where you're kind of like, what, what the fuck are you not doing what I told you to do? Right. And then it can also lead them to feel kind of like ashamed around eat or like eating around you and again it kind of sours the relationship where you you've kind of blurred the lines between the professional and the personal you know and again that's it's just not something that you really want to do long term uh to obviously keep your your family unit or your friends uh, in a, a a cohesive you know manner you know where you're actually still friends or you're actually still family <laughs> you know um so that, that's definitely something to take on uh, but also, and this is something that you might be touching on as well, because I know you've made a lot of notes, Gary, because you love making notes. Um, people generally don't charge their friends or family, right? So that means that their friends and family don't have skin in the game, you know? Like, basically, they just treat it as you just having a chat with them when you're giving them advice, you know? Like, it's just a conversation, you know? Oh, you wouldn't charge me for a conversation, you know? But... The, the same is true like you'll find this in other industries like uh accounting if you're a lawyer if you're a fucking mechanic if you are you know a handyman or you're whatever you know like you'll find that people will pay for those services now obviously you know there can be chats with those people those individuals you're like oh i have this issue with the law or whatever and your friend's a lawyer like you're going to text them up bring them up or whatever and ask a few questions they'll give you a little bit of advice for free but if they're actually, if you're actually looking for essentially legal counsel, they're going to be like, yeah, come into my office and, you know, pay, you know, but people don't see that same thing in the, the health and fitness world where they're kind of like, oh no, I wouldn't charge my, my mother or my father for uh, personal training and all this stuff. But it's like, it's still your time at the end of the day. And because they have no skin in the game, they've paid no money. They're just like, eh. like it was just a conversation. I can just ignore that essentially. You know, like I didn't, I didn't get charged 50 euro for that hour that 
you spent fucking taking me through a workout program and talking me through nutrition and stuff, you know? I didn't pay for it, so it just it was just an hour of chat. Yeah, like essentially what you do is you 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 uncouple you uncouple two things that are that are really important for someone getting involved in in health and fitness behaviors. Like normally what you've got is you've got the, the behaviors that are let's say meeting up with a personal trainer, engaging in exercise, etc. That's coupled with the potential um, pain or loss of you wasting your money. You know, it, it's one thing because you've invested the money, um, you've invested time, whatever. And essentially what you do in that case is you just uncouple those. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a skin in the game problem where you no longer have something that you are losing if you don't engage in it. And obviously all behavior change shouldn't just be based on pain, but it is a part of the process, especially early on, that, there, that there's something that you've invested to keep you in there long enough so you can actually develop the habits, uh, get positive reinforcement, you see the value in it. And then hopefully that's a feed forward cycle where you're actually you're actually in the game then for good um, down the line. But getting in there at the start is the most difficult part. So if someone, if someone goes to a, a, free, a, free, a free coaching service, you know, they, get, they get free personal training, it's like there's no reason for me to worry too much if I miss that, that class. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, I didn't pay for it. You know, whereas if you already paid for it, there's pain or loss involved in missing that and not engaging in it. So it's basically like someone that's just pulling you along and keeping you in it for the start. Like you've got your training wheels, but then you take them off eventually and you keep on going. So that's why that can be important. So the basic message there is don't be afraid to refer out. I think people often take a bit of a hit in their own ego, like when they have to do that, because it's like, oh, but I identify as the fit person. I should be able to help everyone. Whereas I think you'll actually, it'd be better for you and your family member if you just didn't really get frustrated or hurt by that. Um, and then like in terms of, trying to then set this up and move things forward. I think there's a, there's a very key distinction in terms of like what is useful and what is not useful. Like the way, the way I would describe the, a useful way of putting this into practice would be like bottom up support, environmental modification and a, a culture development within the family or within the, within your house environment. And that's in contrast to something like top down rules. So like if you're just trying to set up rules in the house, like, you have to do this. We're all going to do this. We're all going to do this. We're all going to do this. Like, uh, you know, no more sweets, uh, no more beer in the house. Uh, all our meals are going to look like this. Like people aren't going to respond to that because you're just telling them what to do and you're not actually changing the way that they would normally make their decisions. What you can do instead is like, number one is like that bottom up support that I said. What that means is that you're there to support them in their decision making. So for example, if you're out, if you're in town with your mom and you're deciding like, oh, where might we go for lunch? That you just, you're just thinking, all right, let's, let's maybe pick somewhere that is one point better than somewhere that we would normally go. You know, so instead of going to say uh, McDonald's, because you love going to McDonald's when you're out with your mom for lunch, you're like, actually mom, do you know I had this lovely sub in Subway last week? You might like it. You want to go to Subway. Boom. Like, it doesn't mean you're not going to the organic, like, uh, farmer's market, but it's a step in the right direction. So you're providing support to, them to make those decisions as opposed to trying to make it a dictatorship where you're imposing rules. Um, and that also filters into, like, environmental modification. And what I mean by the environment is essentially the home environment in this case for the most part. So, for example, like, this tends to work the other way around where generally – 
like let's say your mom or your dad does all the shopping and brings all the junk food into the house. But in, in this case, your goal is to make, make, create an environment that, that leads to better decision-making. That includes things like having more fruits and, having fruits and vegetables readily available at all times. Okay. So there's not a point, there's not going to be points in the week where you go to the fridge, you're thinking of, 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 I don't know, getting an apple. If you keep your apples in the fridge, I like to do that. Um, or you, you think about, you're thinking about getting, getting some veg for your meal and it's not available. Okay. You can make those decisions much easier if those things are always available. Very simple things like having vegetables pre-chopped up in a lunchbox that's in the fridge at all times. You know, in, in, in Laura's family home, one of the things that they do is they, they always have this like bean salad that's prepared in the fridge. Again, really easy to add to meals. And it's a very simple way of, you know, increasing their, their dietary fiber, getting in the other micronutrients that are going to be present, getting a little bit of extra protein, etc. And the fact that that's going to be there instead of something else that could be on the plate that mightn't necessarily be as healthful. So essentially what you're doing is you're fostering an environment that's likely to lead to better decisions. And that also like that works in terms of both addition, in terms of you're adding in things that could be positive and in terms of subtraction. So you're subtracting things that could potentially be negative. So for example, if you're going to the shop and you're, you're going to buy a, a drink for yourself, let's say, like I, I actually do this because I actually, I actually like beer myself. But what I will do is if I won't, I won't keep beer stocked in the house, whether it be at home in, in Killarney or in Cork, what I will do is I'll go and I'll buy a single bottle of beer. Like, why would you do that? Because you're like, that, that, that means that if there, like, if there was six available, maybe on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I may, might be like, oh, actually, I've, I wouldn't mind a beer now. But instead, it's like, there's only one. That's it. Gold turkey. You know, so you're only making those decisions available. Now, I'm not saying that you should sacrifice your budget because you don't buy everything individually when things are cheaper in multi-packs. Like, not at all. But you, you have to be somewhat smart about this. The same thing goes for things like crisps. If you go to the shop and you're getting yourself a bag of crisps, get yourself a bag of crisps. Don't come home with a 24-pack of crisps that are going to be there for the week and that are going to lead to other people potentially making worse decisions with their diet. So I guess the key thing there is that you're, you're doing things that are not necessarily direct. And they're not directly pushing someone in a certain direction, but they're more likely to lead to positive decisions. And the final little part of that is then trying to develop, develop a culture where you engage in more healthful behaviors. And this kind of comes back to like how you identify yourself, like what your own identity is. Like if you develop a culture in your family where we're actually a family who go for walks, like that's one of the things that we do, or we put effort into cooking and we all sit down and have meals together. That's a positive culture within the family that might lead to um, better health decisions as opposed to it being like, Oh, we're, we're, we're a family who gets fish and chips every Friday night. Like that's fine if, if that's what you do. But you know, there's, there's those things like there's many families who, will have certain fast food nights or maybe you all normally go out for drinks a certain night. So that's not to say that those things are bad things, but fast, but bringing in a culture of more of those positive, healthful behaviors is a nice way of moving everyone in the right direction. Yeah. And I think this, it's obviously just an entirely hard process to do mm. overall. And what I'm going to say is almost antagonistic to what you just said, where you're saying like you want to do all these indirect things to essentially move the, the family unit or again the, the, the individuals the family friends whatever uh, towards better habits but what i also think needs to happen is the same with like just coaching individuals in general like you actually need to show them 
how to eat a certain way or how to uh, exercise a certain way, you know? Because I think a lot of people focus a little bit too much on the, the information around it. You know, they're like, oh, well, you need to do resistance training because it increases bone density and, you know, you are a menopausal woman. It's like, like they don't care about that. Like, yeah, obviously they, they do care about that. But what they really want to know is like, okay, well, how do I actually put a, a plan of action together? You know, like that's why we made <clears throat> all those like three-day, four-day, five-day, six-day eBooks and stuff because, you know, it's like, well, a lot of people are just asking. They don't want coaching. They don't need coaching. They just want to be like, I just want to know that I'm on track with a, a structured plan. You know, that, that's all I want, you know? And it's the same with the individuals in your family where it's like, they just want to know, okay, well, how do I put a plan together so that I can actually engage in exercise, you know? Can you just show me a few different exercises that I can do at home? You know, even if it's just like body weight squatting, you know, if it's just like you get some sort of cardio machine or it's like, okay, well, you can go for walks, you know, like here's a, here, I'll walk with you. I'll show you a nice little route around our house that's safe. That's fucking not uphill that, you know, it's, it's easy to do to integrate into your overall life, you know, um, or you show them different habits. It's like, okay, well you can do this and this will help with all the, all, all your other stuff. And the same with the diet where it's like, you actually have to show them and be like, okay, well you see how like when you're cooking this meal, you're adding in that fucking half a block of butter there. It's like, well, you can actually make this easy swap, you know, or cut down the amount and that's how you can save a few calories there. You know, okay, well you are using like, I don't know, 25% uh, or 30% uh, fat mints for this. It's like, okay, can we switch out to, you know, a, a lower fat amount, even if it's like 10% or 15% or whatever it is, it's like, you don't have to be like 5% or 3% or whatever. It's like, you just, you just save calories where you can and you show them how to make these easy saves. So it's like, you're not actually changing their overall lifestyle hugely. Like they're still eating They're Say they're making a fucking, I don't know, lasagna or something. It's like, all you did was change out the, the mints that they're using for that. You know, yep. but it's like, oh, you've just saved 600 calories there. Wow, too easy. You know, like stuff like that, where it's like, you just make these easy swaps. You know, it's not, you're not, you are directly showing them what to do. You know, but it is like you're saying, like that kind of indirect where it's like, you're not going, oh, this is, you're saving calories doing this, or, you know, this, this is why you're doing this. It's like, that, that's not what I'm saying. It's like, you just make these little swaps here and there. And you're like, okay, now if we look at your overall diet across the week, because of all these little changes that we've made, these better habits that we've instilled, you have moved towards uh, a better micronutrient dense diet and you've moved towards, you know, more calorie appropriate diet, you know? And again, this is something that's really hard for fitness individuals, uh, fit pros or whatever you want to call them, uh, because they essentially, well, generally are stuck in a paradigm where it's like, oh, well, I only know how to do IFIM or I only know how to do like bodybuilding style training. And it's like, well, to help this individual, that's, those two things are probably not going to be the things that they need, <laughs> you know? So it's like what works for you or what you do as an individual doesn't necessarily translate to what they need to do. You know, like if, if you're talking to your 60 year old uh, mother and she's like oh well i just want to you know ensure that i'm not fucking weak going into my old age i don't want to you know get broken bones or whatever you know they're just like okay well like this is how we can go about this you know it's like okay you're going to do some fucking body weight lunges oh you're you're getting good at those you know that's fine cool you know there's two uh 
milk cartons in the fridge there. Just pick them out while you're doing this. You know, it's like, can we just add a little bit of resistance? And you're thinking as a bodybuilder being like, huh, that's nothing, man. I do that with fucking 200 kilos on my back. You know, it's like, this is, this is not comparable. It's like, you're just looking for easy wins and a way to instill good behaviors into that individual. So you need to show them the path, but you don't necessarily need to be like, this is the reason we're doing this. And this is how often you should do this. It's like, just to show them a way that they can implement these habits into their daily life. Yeah. And like that, 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 that last point you're kind of alluding to in terms of like not imposing what you do onto other people, like it's just so incredibly important, especially when it comes to just people who are generally trying to improve their health. As in, like you want to actually ask yourself, what are likely to be the biggest wins for this person when it comes to improving their health? And like, that's really what matters. But very often what we do, especially if you're, if you're not a coach, you're not an experienced coach, you're going to try to take maybe what you've done and impose it onto someone else and think that that's likely to be what's needed. Like, for example, you could, you could take the fact that, oh, people who, people who are, um, who have higher levels of aerobic fitness tend to live longer. Or you could take the fact that people who are stronger tend to live longer. That's, that's, and resistance training is generally going to be a good idea. You could take those facts and say that, all right, I need to get my mom. Like she needs to be running 10 K runs. Like we like ASAP and Matt, why isn't she squatting with a barbell? Like instead of like breaking, breaking it down and saying, okay, like my mother is currently very sedentary. She probably gets 2000 steps a day. I wonder, could we get that to 5,000? That'd be a big win, wouldn't it? You know, that'd be, that'd be good. Because what you're seeing when you look at something like, if you look at a, um, an analysis, say, of people with a certain VO2 max, and you see, like we posted a, a paper about this recently in, in our Facebook group, if you look at like how VO, VO2 max correlates with, with lifespan or longevity, like that's, that's interesting. But if you take someone who does have like a VO2 max of 60, what you have to appreciate is that, right? That's, that's likely to be a person who has trained for their whole life. They've probably eaten pretty well. They've probably slept pretty well. Like there's lots of other variables that are going into determining that person's lifespan um, and the genetics that led them to having a positive response to training. And like to, to take that and assume that that's what, what your, your mother needs to do like that, that's kind of silly. Instead, what you're thinking is, all right, how can I, how can I move the needle forward? Like that's your only goal. Your only goal is to, to get, get to better health behaviors than the person has currently. And if you're getting from 2,000 to 5,000 steps, like that's a big win. You know, if you're getting from one serving of vegetables per day to four servings, like boom, that's a win. Like all those things are little wins that are pushing someone in the right direction. And I guess what you have to accept is that you don't need to be chasing overnight change with someone. Like if you can get someone to improve their, their dietary fiber a little bit, get a couple of extra servings of veg, take more steps throughout their day, um, even if they if they were to lose like three to five kilos, like all those things can significantly contribute to better health, you know? And I, I think people are often surprised by that. You know, even if you, like if you lose like 10% of your body weight, um, which is, it's a lot, but it's not that much, even 5% of your body weight, you see significant improvements in health. Like it doesn't mean that someone has to get down to, to having abs. It doesn't mean that someone needs to be able to run 10K, 20K runs, or that they can squat double body weight. Sure, you want to push the needle in that direction, but the, it's the behaviors and the outcomes of the behaviors that are important. So pushing the needle forward is what ultimately matters. The other thing that's important to realize is that most of your parents are like, like let's say your parents are 
closing on 60. Maybe they're, maybe they're over 60 already. They're doing pretty well. You know what I mean? Like that's one of the things that co- comes into like lifespan. Like if you're talking about like how the, the average lifespan for someone, if someone has already survived to 60, their likelihood of surviving later has already increased by the fact that they got to 60. It's really important to remember. So that person's already, you know, doing pretty well. So how can you then just push that needle forward a little bit so that they're going to be the ones that live towards the upper end um, of that as opposed to the lower end of that? Um, And they're the things that I guess people need to think about a bit more and not just think that, right, my my 60-year-old mother needs to be like my 24 year old self, you know, they need to behave like me. Um, it's nice to think that, that it's nice to think that idealistically, but being realistic is probably a better approach. Right. So I think that should help answer the question because essentially there is no answer to this question because the real yeah, answer yeah. is refer out. Um, but if you are, if you do want to help friends, family, whatever, and they are receptive to getting your help, then yeah, you can help them. Right. But first of all, you want to create some sort of skin in the game. So getting them to pay you is a good idea. Or, you know, be like, right, if you don't show up for this session we're going to do together, you owe 50 euro to charity. Like if you don't like the concept of taking money from your mother or your father or whatever, it's like, well, give it to charity. You know, like it doesn't matter. Even if it's a tenor, whatever, you know, but there has to be some sort of skin in the game, you know. Um, And you can also do a lot by just doing a little. You know, where it's like, okay, let's just move the the habits that the family engages in or the individual engages in towards better habits. It doesn't have to be an all-encompassing, all or nothing. You need to be tracking every single calorie that enters your mouth. Like, it doesn't need to be that. It can be like, okay, let's let's make some easy saves with calories. Let's make some easy swaps with introducing more variety, more micronutrient density into the diet. Cool. We've moved the needle forward. Same with the training. It could be a concept of just, okay, let's get your, your general day-to-day activity up. Like that's what we did for my dad as well. Like we just got him a, a step counting watch, you know? And it's like, okay, cool. All you have to do is get 6,000 steps per day. And that's what he does. Just get 6,000 steps per day, you know? And that's, that's his fitness goal, you know? Um, so like stuff like that. It's like, okay, can we just make small changes so that you can actually get towards your overall goals? You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be mind blowing, earth shattering or anything. It just has to be a small change that moves people in the right direction. You know, again, like if you're 40, 50, 60, you're probably not going like, oh, yeah, I need to get six pack abs so I can, uh, you know, show them off at the beach. You know, it's like that's probably not what you're you care most about. It's probably going to be like health, longevity. And it's like there's actually so much you can do for that with very little input, you know, with very little uh, change like obviously you do have to change but very little hard change like you don't have to change your entire lifestyle to get that and related to that as well as we've talked about it before i think it was two weeks two weeks ago maybe um the, the sleep aspect as well like most most people just sleep terribly so if you can just move that needle forward and go okay start setting you know sleep and wake times you know like actually consistently get eight hours of sleep it's like okay wow now i don't have those terrible food cravings that i was having that was derailing my entire diet oh and sleep is healthful so this is great you know um so do you have anything else to round that off gary before we wrap this up only final thing would be to like you know if you're if you're thinking that why aren't my family members like doing what i'm doing why aren't they healthy 
try to avoid that frustration. I think it's important to recognize that like a lot of our parents would have, like they grew up in different times as in like their, their health behaviors at that time were like, they were not direct. They were somewhat indirect. And what I mean by that is that like my, my, when my mom talks about like when she grew up, you know, she, she'd say things like, like you didn't, you didn't have a choice for what you got for breakfast. You know, she lived in a family of, of seven, was it seven? seven or eight and you know the pot, the pot of porridge i know the pot of porridge was made you came down in the morning you had your porridge or you didn't have breakfast like simple as like you know bye bye motherfucker like you're not getting to, toast with jam and and biscuit bars and all this stuff you have your porridge or you don't have your porridge you go to you go to um to school you might have a ham sandwich and an apple or something and you come home in the evening your dinner's on the table uh, it's probably going to be meat spuds and some sort of veg if you want to eat it, eat it. If you don't, there's nothing else there. Sorry. Like we, you know, the, at the time, like the milk was sitting in, in a, a, a basin of cold water. There weren't fridges. Like you didn't have the, the opportunity to go into the fridge and have, have the luxury of having all these options available. So you, you make that choice. Like if you're lucky, you know, you might get a, a plain biscuit, you know, with your tea before you go to bed. Like that'd be a nice little, little treat. And in terms of like activity then, like obviously they were walking to and from school, you know, they weren't using electronic devices. They were outdoors, like by virtue of the fact that there was nothing else to do most of the time around playing with others, etc. So all their health behaviors were the result of the culture that they lived in. So they were like by default engaging in all these healthy behaviors. Whereas now the culture has changed so much and, and the, the society, I hate the word society, the society that yeah, we live in. Words, anyway. <laughs> no, because it, it always just, it always makes you sound so woke. It's like we live in a society. But anyway, um, you know, the, the, it's, the, it's the, change in, the change in the society and the environment that is that has led to all these barriers that, are, that they're suddenly faced with. I think that's very different to how we approach health behaviors where everyone is really, really conscious and reading about it and exposed to all this information. And it's, it's all, it's, it's at the forefront of everyone's minds, at least in, in our circle. And I think at least appreciating that, I think is, is a good charitable act. You're dead That's right. my closing point. You're dead right. Yeah. It's pretty weak that your mother only has like seven in her family now. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought they were supposed to be true Irish patriots, but obviously not. So, do you have anything else to say? No. No, this was supposed to be a thirty-minute episode. But this is these episodes, guys. These shorter episodes are never going to be short. They're going to end up being like ninety minutes eventually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Peace out. See you guys on Monday. Enjoy.